You are Locked On Kings, your daily podcast on the Sacramento Kings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome into Locked On Kings. I'm your host, Jason Ross. We get to my favorite show of the week, the Friday mailbag coming your way in just a moment. We'll also recap the Thursday night action in the NBA. We had the historic comeback. We had a blowout in Milwaukee and a team staying alive in Memphis. So we'll kind of discuss all of that coming up. But I do want to thank you for listening each and every day on iTunes. Subscribe there. Become a regular. Just have it there for you. Went ready for you whenever you want to listen to it on demand. Subscribe. Remember, it's free. All this content is free for you. But iTunes, it's there. Leave us ratings and reviews if you do that. Also, Audio Boom, Stitcher, Google Play, all the different places you can find Locked on Kings. And if you want to participate in the Friday mailbag, you know how to do it hopefully by now, but maybe there's new listeners out there each and every day. So you reach me on the email, jason.ross at cbsradio.com. Send me your questions and I'll get them into the Friday mailbag. You can also send me feedback as well on Twitter at jasonross1140. All right, I want to get to some Kings news right off the top before we get to some of our other things that we're going to get to here on Friday. First and foremost, Really, the only thing to report was a release from the Sacramento Kings. They announced on Thursday the hiring of Luke Bourne as the vice president of strategy and analytics. Now, uh, earlier in the week or last week, it was announced that the Sacramento Kings were parting ways with Roland Beach, who they hired a couple years ago away from the Dallas Mavericks in the same kind of role. The only I don't have a whole lot of analysis on this. The only thing I can tell you is I believe, if I have my numbers and memory correct here, that uh, Roland Beach was hired by Pete D'Alessandro and kind of that group. So now that Vladi Divac is more in control, I feel like this is just something he felt um, needed to be done. And I don't know what, what was missing between the Kings group and um, Roland Beach, but you know you have Dave Yeager in there too. Just a few different voices. Maybe they had a different idea here, and those things happen. I don't know if it's a big deal. I don't know if it's a small deal. I honestly I don't know where this is going to go, but you got a new person coming in. And there they go from there. Over the coming weeks, according to the release, Bourne will work with Vladi in the front office to add some of the sharpest minds in the field of statistical sciences to augment the analytics department and continue building a database accessible to players, coaches, and basketball operations personnel. In his new role, Bourne will report directly to Vlade and uh, employ expertise in data engineering and collection to empower basketball operations personnel with relevant information Valuable in decision-making process regarding roster compilation, player evaluation, and overall strategy. You know, the interesting thing with this is analytics, I think you need. I think you need the eyeball test. I think you need scouts. I think you need all of it. I think you need. I think it's smart to have a lot of smart people involved. And I don't know Luke Bourne. Um, reading his resume, I'm going to go ahead and feel safe to say he's smart. Uh, he's been involved more in uh, soccer with his sports analytics. But... That's okay. Doesn't mean uh, he doesn't have a lot of experience at the moment in the NBA, but he's going to be get that here. And I know he did some different things at the uh, very popular Sloan Analytics Conference over the years, and he did cover a range of NBA disciplines. So uh, obviously he's got some skill set, and we'll see what he provides for the Sacramento Kings. All right, now that we've done all that, let's do it. Let's get to the Friday mailbag before we get to the games. We're going to start with our first question, and this one comes in from Rebecca. Rebecca says, I do listen to the podcast most every day, and I've heard you say, especially during the regular season, to watch three-point differential. I know that's really important in the league now, but is there any correlation for teams that have made the playoffs and their effectiveness in shooting three-pointers? I felt like the Kings were better at it this year, but that didn't lead them to the playoffs. 
So can you please tell me if this is something that I'm just seeing or is it a real stat? Thank you. All right, Rebecca, I appreciate that. And it's a good question. So I did a little digging and I said, you're right. I've, I've said watch three-pointers on a nightly basis and more so even three-point differential, especially when you're playing a team like the Warriors or the Rockets. And if the Kings or whoever they're playing hits six to eight to 10, that's a decent number. But if that opposing team like the Rockets, the Cavs, the Warriors, some of the better three-point shooting teams, hits 14, 16, 17, when you start to get seven, eight more made threes, that's 24 more points. It's so difficult to close that gap. You can get more points in the paint, a few more points at the line, but that three-point shot is lethal. So I looked up the numbers to see, to you know verify your question. And so if we go by makes per game, like the average made three-pointers per game, Houston's number one, they end up at the three seed. Cleveland, number two, they're the two seed and the defending champs. That's in the east. Boston and Golden State tied for third. You got a one seed and a one seed. And then the first team, non-playoff team, to kind of crack that code is the five spot, Dallas and Brooklyn. Both in makes per game were in the top, I guess, tied for fifth. What's interesting, though, is if we go to percentage, percentage is a little bit of a different equation, but you'll see some familiar and hear some familiar names. Number one, San Antonio. This is three-point percentage, and these are playoff teams, too. This is regular season numbers, by the way. So Spurs, number one. Cleveland, number two. Golden State, three. Fourth, Indiana. And you know who they're tied with? The Sacramento Kings. Kings are the first non-playoff team in three-point percentage right there through the top four. But if you extend that list, then it's Portland, Clippers, Washington, Utah, Milwaukee, all of them playoff team. So good question, Rebecca. Watch three points made. Watch three-point percentage. You'll find, I'm I'm thinking this trend going forward, you'll find a lot of the playoff teams. So the Kings and Dallas and Brooklyn kind of changed the concept. They're the one outliers on maids and percentage, but maybe they're doing it right. And if they could, you know, the Kings, their case, if they can shoot more and make more, maybe that'll be a, a bright spot for their future. Next one, this is a funny one. I got this on the email um, a couple weeks ago, and I, I, I don't know. I wanted to wait for it because I was tr- – and I sent an email back because we, we've gone back and forth. This dialogue's been pretty funny. But the original email came from Byron, and Byron had asked this. Uh, all right, let me get to the point here. Oh, yeah, here we go. So he was asking – Byron was basically saying, I have listened to you for a long time. And I was having a debate with one of my friends. One of my buddies told me that you once went through training camp with the Sacramento Kings. I didn't believe it, but then I've heard you talk as well, and I knew that you uh, like to play basketball. Can you confirm if this is true or just a rumor? Uh, I don't know where this came from. The only thing I can think of, well, yeah, I played basketball, but not at this level. That's ridiculous. But, and I don't know if your friend Byron, and I sent you in this on the email, but I'm explaining it to our listeners, if... They're thinking of a story where, gosh, I don't know what year this was, but put it this way, Gary St. Jean was the head coach of the Sacramento Kings. So we're talking in the 90s. I was working for the team and working at at KHDK at the time, and the Kings had training camp at UOP, and they had a media day training camp. So that's the only thing I could think of. So again, now we're just talking the media players, uh, the media acting as players for just a... I don't know, maybe an hour or two, they put us through drills. And so that, no, I mean, I wasn't nowhere near good enough to do that. But it was fun. We were coached by Mitch Richmond, Walt Williams, guys like that. But they put us through drills. Um, 
you know, layup lines and three-man weaves, defensive, you know, just some of the things, just some principles. And then they picked teams. They had coaches, referees, and everything. And um, we played full court. And I remember Marty McNeil playing, uh, Derek Dickey. Uh, rest in peace, by the way, for Derek Dickey, but a longtime uh, Kings broadcaster, former NBA player. He was out there, and just the rest of us hacks out there. But that's the only thing I could think of. I don't know where that... Uh, I- story came from so by definition no I definitely never did but I guess there was a one-day training camp that they put the media in that was fun but the basketball was not pretty not pretty at all so thank you Byron for that last one comes from Jack and Jack says I've been enjoying your podcast also been enjoying the playoffs I can't wait for the time when Sacramento is back in there I think we will have an incredible home court advantage at Golden One Center. I know we did in the past at our other arena, but this one I think would be off the charts when we get back there. With that said, what is your favorite playoff moment? I heard you talking earlier in the week on your story about Chris Webber, and it made me think about the playoffs. I wanted to ask you, in all your years covering the team, do you have a playoff moment, a favorite playoff moment? And then again, that comes from Jack on the email. Um you know, I don't know that I can pick one, but I, I'm just it, it just made me your question is great because I can't narrow it down, but I'm gonna start to think of a lot of moments and my brain was just, man, this is a loaded question because I wasn't here for the first time the Sacramento Kings made the playoffs in the eighty five, eighty six season when they got here, but I was working for the team and, and the station when they did make it the next time. In nineteen ninety five, ninety six season, when they made it and they played Seattle, that game three when they arrived on the court after splitting the series in Seattle, and everybody still talks about this, the ovation they got before the game. My only regret is I wasn't at the game. At that time, I was working back at the station, kind of running the game, running the board, and I could hear the noise for so long on our pregame shows. I'm just thinking, man, has the game already started? Just the fans were incredible. It was kind of the, that goosebump moment for hours and hours. Unfortunately, Mitch got hurt in that game. They ultimately lost the series, but that's something I will never ever forget and then they all kind of that that eight-year run of when they made it from 99 to 06 there, there's different things inside there that I'll never forget I mean that the series they had the very first one there that first run at it with Utah was a classic five-game series when they finally broke through and beat Phoenix that was fun the battles with the Lakers the battles with the Mavs I mean, they had some incredible games I still say Kevin Martin's game winner at Arco Arena at that time when they played the Spurs, the last time they made the playoffs, is one of the great playoff moments they ever had. Now, it didn't lead them to win the series, but a buzzer beater at home. And there's so many great ones. I don't know that I can pick one. And I, I this is my, uh, my, my answer for now, Jack, will be the next time they go. Because I think that'll be truly special. Because we've had a long, long drought. And the first time you get back there, that is special. Look at, like, Milwaukee, what they did on Thursday night, their fan base, and... You know, San Antonio, they've been there, they've done that, they've won a championship. But when teams get back there after a long drought, Minnesota will go nuts. Sacramento, here, we should go nuts. And I think that next time they get there will truly be special. Thank you for those questions, though, on the Friday mailbag. Again, Jason.Ross at CBSRadio.com. You want to ask me questions that I'll try to get to each and every week. Let's get to the games, though, that took place on Thursday. We mentioned you had a couple of situations where teams were trying to go, avoid going down 3-0. You go down 3-0. It's basically lights out in the NBA, and the Cavs were up 2-0 after winning two close games, finding ways to win at home, and then they go to Indiana. The Pacers did it right. Say, we're coming home. Let's take care of home court. They had a huge lead, 74 points in the first half. Then it went south quickly on the Pacers. 
Gives to Corver left side. LeBron wants it back. He gets it. He's in the left corner. He squares up on Thaddeus Young. He'll launch a three. He knocks it down. LeBron James has 39 points, six triples, and Nate McMillan wants a timeout. Bothered by T. Blows pass into the foul line. Down the lane. Up the fry for a three. He, he nails it. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. 54 seconds remaining in the fourth quarter and a Cavalier team which looked down and out at the half down by 25 points, has just taken a three-possession lead. Now after the win, head coach of the Cleveland Cavaliers, Tyron Lue, talked about how LeBron carried him and how his other two stars, Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving, were willing to watch from the bench in the fourth quarter. We never lost our composure. You know, we stayed with the game plan. You know, LeBron willed us in. You know, he willed us home. Like 41, 12, and 13. Played the whole second half. That's what playoff basketball is all about. You know, you got to be willing to, to sacrifice and lay it on the line, you know, to win a game. And that's what he did for us. You know, looking at Kyrie and looking at Kevin and just, you know, it's like, let them go. You know, they're playing well. You know, I had every intention to keep those guys in as long as they was playing well. But Kevin and Kyrie didn't have a problem with it at all. And that's what playoff basketball is all about. You know, guys step up and play well and you just root those guys on. So Cavs come all the way back. They win at 119-114. That 26-point deficit is the third largest playoff comeback. It's the largest halftime comeback in playoff history when they were down 25. LeBron, man, he just keeps doing it. A 17th triple-double in the playoffs. He also passed Kobe for third in playoff history in scoring. 20 straight first-round playoff wins for LeBron James. And we mentioned the Cavs just, or excuse me, the Pacers, 40 points in the second half after going off for 74 in the first two quarters. Game four is Sunday. Keep your eye on that because I think it does the Cavs some good if they can get through these series quickly. Less wear and tear, more rest on that aging team. But Pacers, in all their years in the postseason, they've never had a four-game sweep against them, so they'll try to avoid that on Sunday. LeBron was the star, 41 points, 13 boards, 12 assists. Paul George, terrific, but not enough. 32 points, 15 rebounds, and 9 assists. All right, next up, we go to the game that was never a game. It was the Raptors and the Bucks, and it was a party in Milwaukee. Giannis spinning in to the rim and slams it. 91-63, Giannis has 17. As Vaughn will take a three-pointer, unhit it. 104-77, Vaughn has hit a couple of threes. Didn't Lance Stevenson upset the Raptors by doing that? Yeah, he did, and that's the ball game. 104 to 77. The Bucks win. They take a 2-1 lead in this best of seven series. So, so the Bucks cruise to victory 104-77. Just balance all the way through. Just defensively, they got it done. The Raptors look like this was a loss in January, right? When you're just maybe a schedule loss, you're not focused, you have a clunker, and then you move on. Nobody really cares. This is game three of the playoffs with an experienced playoff team after you got a much-needed win in Game 2. You could get some momentum back, get home court back, and you lay an egg like that. Clearly, they could still fix it with the win in Game 4. It doesn't matter how much you lose by, but I was just more displeased with their performance, their heart, their effort, their energy. And on the other side, this is more about Milwaukee, what they did and what they did well. We'll hear here from uh, Jason Kidd and Chris Middleton on the win. The guys executed the game plan um, for 48 minutes. Um, not so much to score, but it only counts for one in the win column. So understanding that we know they're going to come back on Saturday afternoon ready, um, just like after game one. But I thought the guys did everything we've uh, prepared them to do this evening. I think we're starting to do with our defense more. Um, learn how to play smart basketball, learn how to use our length, um, and try to play to our advantage more. 
letting Giannis push it um, and then following behind him, letting him make plays. Uh, if we don't have it, just come out and be patient. Uh, move the ball. Try to find the best shot possible. I mean, uh, we've been doing that the past couple months or a month or weeks. Like you said, and it's been working for us. It's just being patient and moving the ball and just not trying to just do it all by ourselves. Just use each other and, and find the best shot possible each time. So Milwaukee's feeling good. They haven't won a playoff series since 2001. Game four is Saturday. They now lead two games to one with that 104-77 win. For the Raptors, they scored 31 points in the fourth quarter. 31 in the fourth. 46 points in the first three quarters. Just brutal. They were trying to avoid the lowest playoff score in playoff history. They did that, but only 77 points. Blown out, 104-77. The last game of the night, Spurs and Grizzlies on Thursday night. Spurs have controlled the first two games. Winning two games to none. We've been talking about the or leading two games to none. We've talked on the podcast about David Fisdale, his outspokenness in game two, trying to get some calls, got the $30,000 fine, but was willing to deal with that. He gets on the floor, gets a standing ovation from the Memphis fans. It really inspired his team. They played well, close game at half, but then they blew it open in the second half. Conley bounces straight away. Marcus Saul, open three, bring it up, put three on the board, and Greg Popovich calls the timeout. 52 seconds into the second half. The Grizzlies come out firing, score five straight, they lead by nine. Conley around two screens at the top of the key, drives in the lane, goes at Lee, running right-handed floater, is good, he's fouled, he'll get one more. David Lee called for the foul, and Mike Conley gets helped up off the deck. Right corner, Leonard, pump fakes a three, steps to the left, fires a triple, it's short. Rebound grabbed by Gasol, long lead out ahead, Conley. Left sideline, picked up by Green. For Green, in the lane to Michael Jams with two hands, and the Grizzly fans jump out of their seats. Gasol back to Conley, gets by Murray, kicks left sideline, Ennis the third, fires the three, ring it up, put three on the board, and that may put the lights out on the Spurs tonight. Well, Fisdale had challenged his team, it challenged the refs. They were inspired. They played well. Grizzlies get the win, their first of the series, their first time they defeated the Spurs in 10 consecutive playoff games. So the Spurs have been sweeping them lately, but... There'll be a game four and certainly a game five now in that series for sure. Grizzlies win 105-94. Good balance. Conley 24, Randolph 21, Gasol 21. And afterwards, Fisdale just thrilled with his guys. I don't know if it was affirmation. It was just an honor. I felt like the um, the city's been so good to me and my wife. You know, for them to do that in a playoff game in my first year, it just was really, um, it was pretty cool. I don't take those moments for granted. But it was hard. You know, I had to lock back in because it was time. And uh, But it was it was pretty awesome. And tell them, I, I want to say thank you to the fans. Once that was done, you know, and I said what I said, I really tried to get our team to move past all of that because it's not an out. I didn't want to give them the out either. A lot of what I did was to put pressure on our team to step up. Don't leave your coach hanging uh, for popping off. So uh, they really stepped up for me and uh, competed at a high level. They knew that this was a must win. You know, you go down 3-0 to the Spurs, and it's like that's a dismal road, and uh, our guys just didn't want to go there. And they really, really brought it tonight, and I was just really proud of the way they responded. Well, now to the games to check out on Friday night. you got the Celtics and the Bulls. Critical game for Boston as they now in the one spot, trailing the eight seed, two games to none, heading to Chicago. Rockets and Thunder, same situation for the Thunder. Westbrook's been great, but he hasn't had a lot of help. They're down 0-2 heading home. And then the Clippers and Jazz tied at one apiece with Game 3 taking place Friday night in Utah. You can expect a great atmosphere in Salt Lake City. Well, that'll do it for us today. Thank you so much for listening all week as well. Tell a friend that we're out there. iTunes, Audioboom, Stitcher, 
all the different places you can find us google play as well we're going to be here all the time so check us out monday through friday for more editions of locked on kings and the sunlight hurts my you are locked on kings your daily sacramento kings podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day Just one.